This is the scourge of the swamp, Brutus Atwell, and you're listening to the Wrestling Bites Podcast. <laughs> Makes me want to take a bite out of someone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the Wrestling Bites Podcast? Your host, on the site, and Chris Young. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Wrestling Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Pumna Psyche, and with me as always, best damn referee in the business, Chris Young. Chris, how are you doing tonight, man? Fan flipping tastic. Probably pretty good because like we're literally just coming off recording the last podcast, recording the nationals now on, on the new the new episode. But you know, K Fabe aside, I just kind of put the I just kind of took the fourth wall down. Giving away all the secrets here. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But anyways, yeah, this is our new uh, national roundup show. Uh, this is where we do all the national reviews for all you people that love our national reviews, but don't want to sift through them for the indie stuff. We figured we would separate the two for you guys. And here we are. Yes, that's right. We're going to try to recap the week that was professional wrestling on the national level. So I think we're going to start with Impact Wrestling. Yep. Impact and, from May 26th. Which was at Osceola Heritage Park in Kissimmee, Florida. Yeah, they showed I, us the building. <laughs> I've wrestled at Osceola Heritage Park. Have you? For plenty of, and yeah, I, I lived in Kissimmee for, what, two years? Yeah, I wrestled down there for I've I've noted that out. Like Scott Hall's gym had a company and, and 3D Academy had a company down there. You had a 407 so, area code phone number? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Yeah. I also worked at Walt Disney World and Universal Studios. So yeah. Cool. So we're we're uh working towards Slam Anniversary at this point, uh with impact. And uh they recapped uh, the main event last week with the Bisco- Briscoe's remaining tag team titles over Violent by Design. And then uh, showing the stare down with Alexander, setting up for a six-man tag this week. And we had first match of the night was an Ultimate X qualifying match. Alex Shelley versus Trey Miguel. This was the technical exchange that was bound to be great because the two people in the match were that good. If you don't know Trey Miguel... And you watch this show, you do now, because he can look excellent when he has the right an opponent, and that's where Alex Shelley comes in. Uh, Shelley's one of the smoothest and most talented wrestlers in the world, in my opinion, and this was just destined to be a very smooth-operated match. I thought that this was great. I think there was, like, one botch in there, but I think overall this was a really good match. Yeah, I mean, the match was good. Um, 
no one really took control. It was kind of like two moves reversal, two moves reversal. So they battled back and forth. And, I and there wasn't well, a lot of like the high high flippy stuff which you have kind of expected when you hear ultimate guys action. need to stop using the meteora. It has become a chick move, okay? Like Sasha Banks does the meteora. I, I just have watched guys use the meteora lately and it just kind of looks like a chick move nowadays. So you do what you can in the moment that you have it. That's my so Briscoe's cut a promo, which I always enjoy. Oh, yeah. Trey Miguel won. I don't know if we said that. Yeah, Trey Miguel went on. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, the Briscoes and Josh Alexander are ready for Violet by Design. But the Good Brothers come in and want a tag match. And that's cool with the Briscoes. So next. Ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> my favorite and yours. Wanted to do impact. <laughs> this is even worse. This is worse than a normal Masha Slamovich match. This was Masha Slamovich versus Havoc. So yeah. Masha squashed Havoc first. That that's just that's just wrong. And yeah, I was the only thing I can say is she actually did a spin wheel kick. But then I followed was, it with a kick in the snowplow. I was so upset. I honestly, truly, deep down inside, thought I was going to get some sort of competitive match between Masha and Havoc. And they ended up just freaking squashing Havoc. She started off strong, like 10 seconds of moves. And then Masha just was like, bam, bam, bam. And it was over. And I'm like, oh, they got me. They so got me. Trey Miguel is fired up about his win, but Kenny King comes in to say the title is coming his way at Slammiversary. Black Christian. Black Christian. Blake Christian. I wrote that wrong. Wait a minute. First off, we got, we, we, you're, you're, we've got several things going on here. Doesn't think much of King and challenges him for the ultimate X spot deal. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot that went on in this segment. Yeah. Start off with Alex Shelley talking to Trey Miguel and talking about how proud he is. And then it transitions into Kenny King. And Kenny King, flavor Blake flame. <laughs> Blake Christian happens to be there as well. And Blake is a nobody. The two most annoying men in, in entertainment, flavor flame and Kenny King. <laughs> they have the same catch like Kenny King, flavor flame. <laughs> So yeah, Blake Christian is a nobody, but uh, he is actually a somebody, but not that, or he's actually something, but not that something. Oh, fuck it. I, I screwed that up. Check out my TikTok. I, I do it better there. He's the best there never was, the best there never is, and the best there never will be. That's right. Then Rich Swan thinks Matt Cardona's ducking him, so Swan's coming for him. As for Matthew Reinwald, if he wants to throw Swan out, of gauntlet for the gold come see him face to face i had watched this promo twice because rich swan segues from talking about matt cardona to matthew raywald and i thought he was still talking about matt cardona but just calling him matthew so i was really confused is it funny that rich swans tried more and more throughout the last few months to make his promo sound like the pope's 
<laughs> I noticed that. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, like I, I caught that. The like I was like, I even put in my notes. I'm like, um, so is Rich Swan turning into D'Angelo De Niro? Well, I laughed. I laughed because there was a couple of times he raised his hands like he was gonna slap his hands together. And I was like, it's a promo, and you're not wrestling, so don't worry about it. That's true. That's shoot. You could see it. He looked like he wanted to slap his hands together. Yeah. Then we had Chelsea Green taking on one of my favorites, Jordan Grace, and I'm not saying that exaggeratively. She could slam me around anytime she wants. And, you know, I, I thought that they were going to bury Jordan Grace in this match, and I was wrong. It wasn't the greatest match I've ever seen her in. It was an average match. It was just a match here with the ending surprising me a bit. Green doesn't exactly win much around here. It would have been nice to see her get a boost, but at the same time, Grace winning is always a good thing. And the Queen and the Mountain match is, well, it may have pinfalls involved, but that might only be in stages 319 and G. So, Yeah, no, I enjoyed this match very much. I did. I liked it. And I was, yeah, surprised Jordan got the victory. And then Honor No More complains to Scott Demore about unsafe working environment that caused Maria Canellas to get hurt. They want the Good Brothers and Slammiversary, but they're taken with the Briscoes instead. Eddie Edwards issues threats. This had a lot going on. Every promo had, like, it wasn't, they weren't boring, that's for sure. There was a lot going on in these promos tonight. Yeah, we'll get to the boring one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah there, they always have a lot going on. Then a match that as soon as I seen it on the on the program, I, I got up my highlighter and I highlighted it. And no, we, are we, I guess I'm. I'll call, I mean, I we'll just skip the Diana Prazo. I mean, that's the best part of the. Go ahead, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about I it. Talk about talk, it. I just want to look. Diana yeah. Prazo. So this was best. This was best on mute. <laughs> She's been Diana Prazo is being interviewed in the back when Tasha Steele shows up. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, this was better on mute. <laughs> yeah. So the the first match uh, with Trey Miguel and Alex Shelley was the match of the night until Chris Saban took on Frankie Kazarian. And in my opinion, these matches were equally great. And I gave both of these matches a tie tonight for the match of the night. Nah. Saban and Kazarian outworked Shelly and Miguel all day. Just had a crap finish. It had a crap finish, and that's why it lost a little bit of point and it equaled out. In my in my grades, at least. In, in my world, these were these were equally great matches. All four of these guys were great workers. You could put any four of these guys in a match and have a banger. Um, yeah, this 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 was a, a really hard work match. These guys did a fantastic job. Uh, I love Frankie Kazarian and I love Chris Saban, and these guys worked really well together. Very very good flow. Very very good way that they told the stories they told in this match. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. the match of the night. Yeah, it was probably the best match I've seen Frankie wrestle in several years. Except I don't know where I had to come out and deck Kazarian for the DQ to finish the match. Um, I think they could have finished this a different way. I think they could have finished this a different way. But other well, than that, it was a great match. It leads us into the next segment. Yeah, it does. Uh, Post match, the big beatdown is on. So Honor No More poses. Post break. Honor No More rants about how Impact has no respect. Heath and Rhino come in for the yelling and is likely setting up for a match between them. Then 
Yeah, I'm, they're teasing this whole impact versus honor no more thing again. And I think that's what we're going to get is probably old school TNA so, versus new school TNA. I and need to learn how to no pronounce this there. guy's name correctly because he's starting to bleed into Michigan independent scene. But yeah, we have Sarah that. Raj saying taking on Bupinder Jagar. No. Try again. Bupinder Shukar. No. No. Bupinder Jagar. Bupinder. Bupinder is correct. Jugular. Goo. Gujar. 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 Cougar Gujar. Gujar. Goober. Gujar. Bupinder Gujar. There you Morrissey. go. Get this guy. It's the first time I've ever gotten it right in like a month. All right. So singing Gujar, start things off with Gujar hitting a drop kick followed by us. Okay, I'm not giving you the blow to blow. I had to take notes, but I'm not doing all that. Overall, this was a C match. I could see the potential in Gujar, but at some I, I like a jar better. But at some point he needs to do something other than feuding with Sharon Singh. The story's pretty much a little more than Singh wanting Gujar to be on his team, but Gujar keeps saying no. Repeat for several weeks. There's something to Gujar, but he needs to get out of this storyline and get into something else. Yeah, we're just trying to build him up. That's why we've teamed him up with W. He's a great wrestler. You know, he's a great wrestler. I'm sorry that I can't get your name right, but dude, you're you're phenomenal as a wrestler. Well, Um, he's a great look. He's He's a very good wrestler. He's showing he can hold his own. The one thing, unfortunately, that's going to hold him back right now is... He's not a good promo, so we need to get him a manager of something. So, yep. Then Moose like is ready for his, his tag match next week. Whether or not Sammy Callahan is out to get him, he knows what Sammy is doing here, is doing. But here is Steve Macklin, Moose's partner, next week to tell him to be ready. The lights flicker, but no one is here. Then there was a little segue of what's coming next week, and then we saw the Briscoes and Josh Alexander taking on Violent by Design. This was probably up there for the match of the night as well. It took a very close second to the tied matches, in my opinion. Um, I'm not a big fan of six-man tags, but I will say if you're going to have a six-man tag as your main event of the night, have Violent by Design in it because these guys know how to do a six-man tag. And they know how to cheat to win. Um, While I don't need to see them get another title shot, they can be used to boost things up a bit on the way to Slammiversary's main event. Other than that, the Briscoes are gearing up for the big battle match against the Good Brothers. While Alexander really isn't a factor, it just kind of gives him the uh, spotlight for being in a main event as he's the champion. But it was still a pretty pretty decent match. Yeah, this was a a really good match, a three-on-three tag team match. And uh, Josh did get busted open the hard way, which um, I think maybe elevated it a little bit because it was uh, it was a hard fought match. It was good, enjoyed it. Impact yeah. Wrestling every week has very good wrestling, and their stories are written very well. Um, let's take a look at an average three hour Raw show. Uh, we see four to five matches, right? Let's go over tonight's. Impact card, which is two hours, correct? Yeah. Trey Miguel defeated Alex Shelley. Mazel Slamovich beat Havoc. Jordan Grace beat Chelsea Green. Frankie Kazarian defeated Chris Saban via DQ. Upinder Gujar. Yeah. Yay. 
with Morrissey defeated Raj Singh and Shara. Violent by Design defeated the Briscoes with Josh Alexander. So there was more action than like two Raws combined in this show. All the promos kept you wanting to see what was going to happen. They're building into Slammiversary very well. Um, every episode has great matches. If I had to tell somebody, what's the best wrestling to watch right now? Pure wrestling? Entertainment value wrestling-wise? I would say Impact Wrestling right now. Yeah. Yep. I there's a good, like I said, there's some good parts of the show. And I like the Honor No More stuff getting a little more attention. We also saw some Slammiversary matches move forward. And I could go for seeing where some of the stories go. Some of the matches need some more work, but this is a solid enough step towards the pay-per-view and had great action to go with it. So, um, yeah, that's really all I got to say about that. That was Impact Wrestling. Yes, it was. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and onward on the national reviews to SmackDown. SmackDown took place at Simmons Bank Arena in Little Rock, Arkansas. Cole and McAfee, as always, are the commentators. Yes. Oh, there he is. No, I'm here. I'm just letting you do the recap of stuff nobody cares about. Oh, SmackDown? So we can skip all of SmackDown? Oh, where it's at. And who's commentating? Nobody cares. Okay. Except for last week when it was at Van Andel Arena, but you know, other than then, that. then you care. God, you mark. Anyways, only because you were there, you care. Self plug. Yep, I care because I'm there together forever. We open up with a recap of the Usos taking out RK Bro last week to unify the tag team championships. Roman was injured pretty badly last week and put him on the shelf for the time being. And here are the Usos for a chat. After thanking Roman Reigns for making this possible, we hear about how the Usos recently celebrated 12 years in the company. And they could have done it without the fans. The fans cheered and booed them while seeing their up and definitely seeing their downs. After all their time together and all the plane rides and all the time away from their families, the fans were always there. Jay always loves being in front of these people, entertaining them from the bottom of the hearts. Thank you. After all, though, Jimmy learned that you need no one. Yep. Insert heel turn. Wait, they're already heels. Mm. They are. So I, I, okay. So basically, in a nutshell, this promo really didn't make a lot of sense to me. They want adulation, and then they go back to heel. And they bragged about taking out RK, bro. Oh, they made little kids cry. And then Q Shinsuke Nakamura, who's been like the SmackDown opener as of late. Am I wrong there, Chris? Nope. Okay. Uh, with a challenge for a title match, and he has a partner. He brings out Riddle. And the house is cleared with the Usos being set running. They show a here's, video. Of here's here's the ahead. problem with WWE. Like the <clears throat> biggest problem. I the Usos have been here for 12 years, which is very, very scary to think about. But been down since people, day one-ish. People stay here for so long, it just gets stale. I mean, it's hard to reinvent yourself after 
a few years. But Not to sure be there for 12 years. I mean, think about it. Think about how long Roman Reigns has been here. Or Seth Rollins. You know, Cody left, came back, and he's bigger than ever. Yeah, but he, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins have been around the WWE for like 15, 20 years now. Well, I well that but that's what I'm saying is it's very difficult to to stay this long and be relevant. I mean, I would hate to, I, I'm gonna say it. I don't think Roman Reigns is relevant right now. No, and that's why he's fading out. Um because he knows it. He's losing his luster. Uh but he, you know, has a title reign of God, well over a year now. I mean, Two what did you almost. expect? Yeah. So I mean, think about how long has Sami Zayn been here? You know, they just they keep people so long. Kofi Kingston. I mean, it just goes on and on, and all these people that have been around for so yeah, long. Kofi, Kofi, you know, in in all fairness, at least Kofi reinvented himself when he went to New Day. I mean, some of these guys, yeah, but New like has been around for ten freaking years. Yeah, they have. And the thing is, is they they keep changing with the times. Like Jericho changes with the times. Guys, certain guys can 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 stay relevant over the years by changing, and some of them make a change, and it well just doesn't work. I think for every one success, there's four or five failures. Yeah, I mean, I can point them out, but they don't fade away. They still continue to be on the Madcap Moss. Madcap Moss is one. How long? Rich Holland. Rich Holland's another. I'm talking about guys that have been there for six or seven years. No, the, 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 this is the future mainstays. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about the future mainstays. The ones that have been there forever, you got your Baron Corbins, your Baron Foreskins. I mean, you've got your Seamus. Your, your Seamuses. You've got, you know, Randy Orton, but he's kind of been able to change and, and stay, get pop. I mean, Right. How long uh, has Liv Morgan been around? Alexa Bliss. Ten years. I mean, again, it's just it's oh it's 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 the same people regurgitated over and over again. Right. You know, it in 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 not to Bobby bring up freaking Lashley. Not to bring up Bret Hart, but you know, like it they they do a lot of similarities of to what they did to Brett. And to be fair. Brett didn't have a choice. And, and I don't know if he understands that or not, but Vince seen it. And the reason why I told him to take that contract with WCW was to, wasn't because he didn't want to pay him the money. That's what he told him. But let's be honest. What it was is he took the company's biggest baby face and turned him heel against the American people where you wrestle 90% of your, your freaking time. So now, how do you turn Bret Hart back to a face? How yeah. it, it well, they do the same, point. they do the same thing in WWE. Like you had Rhea Ripley booked to the moon last year. And now look where she's at. She's in this gimmick now with edge and she's rebuilding, but look what they did with her in between, you know, it, it, and she's one of the few NXT people that made it. A lot of them get buried. As soon as they come up, they're just yeah, done, but they stick around butch. Pete Dunn's been in the company for 15 years. Look how long they kept Tyler Breeze and Fandango around. 
they just released them last year. They'd been in the company since like the early 2000s. I know that Fandango's first match was against Jericho at WrestleMania 20-something. So, you know, um, they, yeah, they, they, they regurgitate these characters that quite frankly, nobody really even wants to see. Yeah. And, you know, you compare it to the late nineties into the mid two thousands and how, how often did you see people stay that long? You didn't two, three years well, the most. You had your mainstays, but there wasn't as many. You had your, like Dolph Ziggler, for example, Dude's been around the WWE since he was part of the Mean Street Posse. Yep. That was popular in the 90s, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like late early 2000s. Shane McMahon. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I keep going. That's the sad part about it. There's so many mainstays in WWE nowadays. No offense, but our truth seems to just kind of ride the wave. Alicia Fox was one that rode the way for a long time that really didn't do much, but they kept on the roster and intermittently used here and there as enhancement talent. Yeah, and when and when you're not going to focus primarily on wrestling, if you're only going to have three or four matches, then you can't keep people for this long. It gets stale. People yeah. get bored. Because we're seeing the same people over and 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 over. I mean, we see the same thing in AEW, and they have a bigger roster, which is an even bigger, an even bigger clustered chuck. Yeah. Well, but yeah. So, all right. Sorry, I digressed. No, it's it's fine. I was just and surprised when they said Usos twelve years. We look at Ronda Rousey having issues fighting Raquel Rodriguez a few weeks back. Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura know they can work together even without being regular partners. And then Shotzi and most of the women's division is in the locker room with Shotzi complaining about Rodriguez getting another match with Rousey. No one wants to listen to her until Natalia and Shayna Baszler seem intrigued. And then we have Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Rodriguez, your new favorite. Well, surprisingly, I was not looking forward to this match. I was well, guess, uh, guess yeah. what, Chris? It only lasted 42 seconds, so you didn't have You're much right. to worry about. Yes, I was so excited to see Shayna Baszler and Natalia come in. I love everything that Shayna Baszler does. I like Shayna Baszler. She's a tough ass. I have to respect that. But, yeah, they ran in for a DQ at 42 seconds. And in typical WWE fashion, we come back from a commercial break, and guess what? There's a tag match. <laughs> yes. Rhonda and Raquel are teaming up to take on Shayna and Natalia. Yeah, I, and I, gave this, this match. I, I gave this match a C plus. It was a little better than average. I said, and that's how you use two women who you'll probably see as the headliners in the women's tag team title tournament. And that Natalia and Baszler have been portrayed lately as cranky losers. I lost my place. Oh, and that this was the case here again. Natalia even got Rousey and the sharpshooter without much trouble, but the match was over shortly thereafter. 
Another match that shows how unimportant the tag division is in case it wasn't clear enough. It was a good match, but I don't like the ending. You should push the tag team here. You should let the tag team cunning be the reason why the match was won because tag team is a specialist work. They got to start putting together women tag teams for this tournament they're going to have. That's what so, I'm saying. So uh, I mean, they've, they've maybe we're going to look at a team between Rhonda and Raquel. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was, yeah, better than average. I gave it a B minus. Yeah, the New Day likes having the element of surprise because their partner tonight could be anyone from Max Moon to Reed Richards to the interviewer. <sighs> then we've seen Los Lotharios versus Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Well, I don't know. Cat Moss is back. Well, next week. It's announced he'll be back next week. It says, you know, hold on, though, as we cut to the back where Mahal can't find Shanky. Mahal finds them in the locker room dancing to their own theme music, and they get to the ring, and it's Shanky, big booting Humberto, so Mahal can come in, everything breaks down, and Angel takes off his pants for the ring announcer, Samantha Irvin, who looked terrified, by the way. Yeah. This was cringy as shit. That's all I want to say. That was so cringy. Uh, the distraction let Shanky kick Angel in the head, but it's Umberto hitting a springboard kick to the face to pin Mahal at two minutes and 14 seconds. And then... Post-match, Mahal yells at Shanky and leaves, so Shanky dances in front of Samantha, who didn't seem so <laughs> terrified this time. Yeah. Oh, my oh. Lord. This is as close to the Attitude Era as we're going to get. And yeah. it was interesting. Obviously, interesting. they're trying to set up some sort of maybe turn, get Shanky as a fan favorite. But I, I was impressed with Shanky. I, th I thought he showed a lot during this quick match. I uh, don't care much for his dancing. But, I, yeah, it was definitely cringeworthy when <laughs> they're – when the Los Lotharios are dancing in front of Samantha. So then Max Dupree comes in to see Adam Pierce and asks about Dupree. his contract, which Pierce says is all legal. That works for Dupree, who can now find his first client. Dupree. Then here is Kevin Owens for the KO show, with his guest being a member of the bloodline, Sammy Zay. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love it. After an exchange of pleasantries, and a burial of whatever they were fighting about last time. Sammy doesn't remember either. Sammy says he knows Ezekiel is Elias too. And the Owens crying on Zane's shoulder because someone finally believes him. Owens needs him to come to Raw and help him deal with Ezekiel. But Zane has his hands full. Zane calls him Oos. But Owens isn't sure he likes. <laughs> I like this, this storyline. Owens calls him a moron, so Zane says Ezekiel and Elias are clearly different people. This turns into a liar-moron exchange until Owens asks why the bloodline left Zane high and dry on Raw. Owens introduced the bloodline twice, but no one comes because the bloodline doesn't care about him. Sammy says Owens doesn't know what he's talking about and goes to leave, but Owens stops him in the aisle, earning a shove into the barricade. Owens goes back to the ring and beats up the people taking down the set to blow off some steam. I 
I like this storyline. I mean, the ending didn't make a lot of sense, but okay. Yeah, no, it was a good segment. Sammy and KO really did well against each other. Yeah. Then we had what I call a step above a splash match. Ricochet and True Gulak took on Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. Kaiser. Gunther. Gunther. Gunther wastes no time in shoving Gulak off the top for a crash as we take an early break. Back with Gulak getting over for the tag to Ricochet with the springboard crossbody on Kaiser. A fireman carry is broken up by a rake to the eyes, though, and it's back to Gulak. That's fine with Kaiser, who kicks him in the face for the pin. 624. Not enough shown to rate, but it was just a step above a squash match. Not enough of most of this, shown to rate. It was, most of this match was a break. No. No. Yeah. More than half of it was shown. I gave it a B minus. I thought it was a very good match. Although I'm a big mark for Gunther and Ludwig and Drew Gulak. Throw Ricochet in there. This was a great match. Didn't care for the ending. It was really weird because Ricochet seemed to disappear. And of course, we get this afterbirth crap with Gunther and Ludwig beating everybody up. But kick yeah. Ricochet in the face. Yeah. Heels will be heels. Then it shows Sammy's in in the back asking the Usos where they were and thinks he isn't being respected. What if he just joined with them? That's cool with the Usos. We'll make him an honorary ooze. Zane is very pleased, but I don't know how much the Usos buy this. Two things here real quick. This is another case in point. What's wrong with WWE? KO and Sammy had a great segment, and everybody was left hanging trying to figure out, is Sammy part of the bloodline? This should have been held off till next week. Next week, Sammy should have confronted the Usos, or maybe even waited till Raw a couple days later and be like, hey, how come you left me high and dry? Just to draw up the storyline a little bit more. And secondly, they missed the great opportunity. Instead of being an honorary member, he should have been the secret member. So then he could have been Sami Zayn, the secret of the ooze. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So then it was time for a Memorial Day video three days before Memorial Day. Thanks, SmackDown. Um, you know, because Monday Night Raw isn't on Memorial Day or, or anything. But what do I know? Then we see the Brawling Brutes versus New Day. And, and I mean, who have we not seen on SmackDown that we've seen every week that hasn't been on TV? Because it was pretty obvious who their mystery partner was going to be. He carries a sword. <laughs> Yep. I believe it's named Angela. But yeah, Drew McIntyre was the mystery tag partner. Uh, you know, Seamus said he didn't care if it was Moby Dick, and then it was Drew McIntyre. I don't know what the reference is there. I was a little confused. But the bell rings 19 minutes after the brutes came to the ring. I'm glad you noticed that because I was gonna I was gonna point it out. Yes. Like yep, the, the brutes came out what at the 926. Yep, yep. The Brutes came out nine twenty six, and yeah. the match begins at nine forty four. It was so bad. Like, why did this take so long? This is the this is the this is the and and this is the formatting crap that it just drives everybody insane. Because the Brutes come out, we get our video package about Memorial Day, and then the Brutes talk, and then the New Day come out, and they talk, 
and Drew McIntyre is out, and then we take a commercial. Then we come back, and instead of going to the ring, we get a, a raw, raw preview, and then the match begins. And it's like, no, this is ridiculous. Well, but, but thankfully, w- when we get to Raw, they do change that a little bit, which is nice. I mean, at least the match lasted longer than the interim wait. Yeah. It was 11.31 by two, two minutes or so. Um, <laughs> I gave this a C plus. I think it was a perfectly good house show main event. Um, I think that McIntyre was one of the most logical choices that New Day had. But I, again, I've said this for three weeks. Hopefully this wraps up the feud that has gone on for far too long now. As WWE continues to not quite get how to put a bow on things. McIntyre continues to look like a monster. And that is what he got to do here, as he does better than anyone on SmackDown at the moment. Uh, they're building his strengths for that Clash in the Castle match, but uh, dancing, including McIntyre, ensues to end the show. Um, this wasn't a SmackDown main event. This was a house show main event. Yeah, they tried to build it into something special, but it wasn't. Nope. Hmm. But that was SmackDown. Yeah. Thank God it's over. Speaking of thank God it's over, on to AEW Double or Nothing. Holy cow. This is their biggest event of the year. It's like their WrestleMania. So, I mean, I get it. But this was a long show. I expected it to go from 8 to 10 or 11. And yeah, I was fooled. Even longer if you watch the buy-in. I know, which had one match on it. Which was Tony Nese and Mark Sterling versus Hookhausen. Five-minute match in the first hour. That was all you've seen. It was a C match. It was a comedy match. It was fun. Um, Dan Housen actually did a little bit of wrestling and got cut off. Uh, that was about it. Looking Dan Housen got the win. Yeah. Fans got to cheer for Dan Housen's wacky annex. You know, it was exactly what you expected and what it should have been. And then the show starts off with Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus Wardlow, which this was highly talked about. And I, we didn't really have a lot of communication about this, but there was a lot of rumors that MJF had booked a flight out and wasn't going to be there. I think it was all the work. You mean Sean Rossap got something wrong? Oh. Well. I think it's. I think that this is Tony Khan's way of helping MJF build his stock to exit to WWE. Well, anytime you can get the internet wrestling community to buy into yeah, something yeah, and work yeah. on, it's yep. gold. Now, this was exactly what you kind of expected it was going to be. Wardlow came out and just mowed MJF. You, you kind of expected that this was going to happen. But as much as I liked seeing this, he could have did something else besides a power bomb. Holy fucking power bomb city! Um, power bomb, power bomb, power bomb, 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 power bomb, power bomb, power bomb, 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 and then he got a stretcher, stretcher out. Um, you know this, this, uh, this was a case where a match wasn't the point, but rather complete and total destruction of MJF. It did work. It writes him off for now, and. Um, Gets Wardlow as a signed wrestler in the AEW. It's a fitting end. And I think they built a lot of hype into him 
not being there by him taking a long time coming out. Oh, where should I begin? They killed MJF here. I was um, so excited when I saw that this was the first match. I was like, oh my God, okay. And then it was so disappointing. Like everybody, everybody after the fact was like, oh, MJF got his ass kicked. MJF, it was a brutal beat. Yeah, down. but I'm like, but see, here's, yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you'll agree. You might agree with me on this for once. Here's the thing. No matter what the outcome, you know MJF is going to lose this match to Wardlow, right? Yeah. So, so why are you going to bury him that way? I feel like they wrote this to have a certain match, uh, a certain story be told at this match, and then I feel like MJF's politics and side story bullshit that he's running right now with WWE and not wanting to be an AEW work that he's pulling got involved in this match and it ruined it. That's what I think happened. Now he's got to be written off TV, so they're just going to cut an injury angle. So cheap. I hate to say Such it. a cheap way to end this feud. They built the shit out of this, and that's how they ended it. Ten power bombs. I hate to say it, but this almost came off as a comedy match with MJF you know, trying to get the ring, and he gets caught. Yeah. And it's just, I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed that this They could have had out. this as a match of MJF's cunning out starting off outsmarting Wardlow, wearing down the power, using his speed to his advantage, and and Wardlow overcoming that rage and actually finishing the match proper. But instead they did this. And and I don't know if it was because he really wanted out of there and it's not a work. I don't really know what's going on. But I feel like that whole angle or whether it's a work or whether it's real. That politic bullshit got involved in this match and it ruined it. They obviously changed the match. This, this, they had to have. This could not have been the way they, they decided from the beginning to finish this. Yeah, so I was started off super excited and then I was just slightly disappointed with what we got. And then yeah. I got even more disappointed when I'm seeing all these reviews talking about how awesome it was. And I'm like, it wasn't. It wasn't awesome. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't awesome. And yeah. then it gets worse. Because we have the Hardys versus the Young Bucks. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. The the three things that I wanted to see was the MJF Wardlow, the Young Bucks taking on the Hardys, and Serena Deeb taking on Thunder Rosa. I, so. I gave this match a C plus, but I wrote... With the Hardys winning here, it kind of makes you suggest that the feud's continuing because of reasons. They didn't have a disaster or a bad match, but I don't think this quite lived up to the dream match level of the one they had in Lakeland, Florida a couple of years ago. Um, what matters most is that the Hardys didn't get seriously injured, which may be a win for them nowadays because, you know, you get old and your bones get brittle. Um Post-match, Jeff Teeth is going through the crowd like he did in WWE, but then he came back to the ring, which I thought was funny. But, yeah, this was not the match that everybody wanted to see. This kind of felt like it was played a little safe. Right from the beginning, you could see that Jeff Hardy was off. I mean, the entry, they made the, the Young Bucks were already in the ring. When the Hardys came out, 
Matt goes right into the ring. The young bucks powder out. And here's Jeff just slapping everybody's hands, working his way around the ring. And he ends up face to face against the young bucks. That's the last place he needed to be in. One of the best promos I've seen that's like that, that, that makes you laugh was what I seen next. And it was the acclaimed and the gun club. And they were promising to tear up Las Vegas. And Billy Gunn was there. So the next day, Billy Gunn goes to find them so they can tear up Las Vegas and they're all passed out cold in the hotel room. He calls his son's disappointments and tucks in the acclaimed. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, they we're going to tear stuff. up Vegas. They're partied out, man. Yeah, they like Phil. Uh, then we've seen Jade Cardgill take on Anna Jay. This was a little bit better of a match than I expected is from Jade Cardgill because I always rate her matches very low. Uh, I gave this one a C-plus as well. Um, they're definitely structuring her matches more to fit her strengths better now than they were. Um, but I never bought for a second that Anna Jay had a chance whatsoever in this match. But I feel like that's the case with about every Cardgill challenger. Um, adding Stokely Hathaway uh, could be an upgrade over Sterling. If that's where they're going, um, he definitely has better skills to make Cardgill feel more important. Malcolm Bivens was a pretty good role in NXT. I know that you don't watch NXT, but uh, Malcolm Bivens was a great manager in NXT. Stokely Hathaway was a good res- was a good manager in ROH. Something else you don't watch. So I don't know if you really know who Malcolm Bivens slash Stokely Hathaway really is. Nope. He's a he's a definite asset as a manager nowadays which is a rarity. You don't see a lot of decent managers nowadays. Um, I, I, I think it was an okay match, um, but I think this one could have been a dynamite main event for a title instead of being on the show because it was too long as it was, the pay-per-view. You could have cut this match off. would have been fine. Yeah, it was a good match that exceeded my expectations. Yep. And because we don't have enough wrestlers on the roster, we get a new debut. Yeah, post-match, the beatdown is loaded up. But Chris Statlander goes in after Red Velvet. The stare-down is on. But Athena comes in for the debut. The big six-way stare-down. The fans are happy to see Athena, a.k.a. Ember Moon. Uh, She is a great wrestler. She also wrestles for Warriors. She's a Warriors woman champion right now, I think. Yeah, she is. So you'll be seeing her in Grand Rapids. Absolutely. Um, yep, she's scheduled give, to take on AQA. You can give her all of my contact info if you would like. Um, I'm just down the road. So there's Jordan Grace work there. I'd tell you to do that, but I'll take a Duly theme. noted. Yeah. We can conserve water and shower together. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, House of Black took on Death Triangle next. This, in my opinion, was a fantastic match. I want to know what you think before I go any further. Yeah, I mean... I hated the ending, but the match itself was great. It's exactly what I thought it would be for a match. And... There were like no miscues, so that was that was nice. No, there was no miscues. The tag team double teams were were all very impressive. This match had a lot of hard hitting action, 
And it was everything that I would expect. Unfortunately, I think that the only thing that took away from this match is it took us so long to get here. Yeah. But overall, I gave I gave this a uh, B plus. I thought this was a fantastic match. It was insanity. But if you watch my wrestling style and see what I like, you'll know this was right up my alley. This was insanity done well. Yeah, it was a chaos of craziness of but it, it was, was preci- yeah, it was precision and, insanity at its finest. And I'm in the minority. I actually liked the the finish of this match. I've been calling for more Julia Hart and we finally got an answer of where she lies. So it was good. I just think they could have put the the mist in somebody else's eyes but poor Pack. Why has it always got to be Pack? I I don't know. But I gave this a B plus. I almost gave it an A minus. Um then we'll recap Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole in the finals. Or them getting to the finals. And which is more about Owen than either of them. And I kind of knew who was going to win this match based on the fact that Adam Cole came decked out in, in heart colors. Purple and black, like in white. And Samoa Joe just came out in regular colors. It kind of gave it away. In my opinion... Well, Samoa Joe, his character wouldn't come out in anything other than business. So, I mean, I, if you think that tipped the, the the hat, then that's disappointing. I think I gave this a, a B. I said it was another good match. Um, though having even more interference had me rolling my eyes. Cole winning isn't exactly a surprise, and it's good to have him win something around here. And it's a fine enough way to, to go even if it doesn't have any kind of a connection to Owen whatsoever. Um, yeah. Another was promo for finish. Forbidden Door, like anything news happened in 40 minutes since the last time they promoted. it. Um, then we recap the Women's Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. And then we see Britt Baker come out with a guitarist. And then Ruby Soho had Rancid there. I thought that was amazing. I'm a big punk rock fan. To see Rancid come out and play was really great. Yeah, it, they were really pushing hard, Ruby. I thought Ruby was going to win this based on the entrance. But then Britt Baker was dressed up in the heart gear, which kind of gave me the suspicion that they were, they're were they doing this couple thing with these guys. So, uh, you know, this got a C-plus for me. Baker gets to win, meaning it's a power couple winning for both of them. The match itself was fine as expected, though that sharpshooter that sharpshooter was horrible, horrible. I'm just gonna half-ass this and sit on the ground. What was that? The Boston crab shooter? <laughs> was that the salad shooter? Yeah, I'm not sure uh, what that was, but it wasn't a sharpshooter. I don't. It felt just lazy as hell. Yeah, I really could have went with Ruby Soho winning here. But I guess it would have been kind of weird to have Cole and Soho at the trophy presentation, even though it wouldn't have made much of a difference. I I mean, I, I don't have any objections to this. Uh, everybody was thinking Ruby after she beat Statlander because it was Statlander's time. But honestly, I, 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 I'm not against any of this. I thought it was fun. Yeah, so like then they did the post celebration, which was kind of a kind of joke esque. It wasn't taken completely serious with Martha Hart. Um, 
making fun of a ridiculous hat. I don't know it. The belts were nice looking, and the trophy gets passed on. It, it was a, it was a nice little moment, and that the was fin- about it. The finish of the match. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. People were saying it's you know reminiscent of WrestleMania ten, but I mean, I don't know. I th- I thought it was a weird way to end the match. Yep. Then we had the match I was looking forward to the least: Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti versus Men of the Year and Paige Van Zant. Now I like Men of the Year and Paige Van Zant, but I'm just this 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 Ty Conti Sammy Guevara thing is so overplayed. But overall, this got a C plus. Uh, it was fun with Conti and Guevara totally embracing the hate, but getting stomped on every time they tried to get mushy face. Um, I think this is the end of this feud. It went on a little longer than it needed. Um, this really needs to be the blow off. I think Van Zandt was fine enough in her pay-per-view debut. She does have a long way to go uh, to get the complete flow and look natural in the ring, but she did good enough. Um, I think that her moves were executed pretty well. She definitely has to learn more, but um, she definitely did better than some guys' first matches I've seen. So, um, again, this is another match I think that could have been moved to a Dynamite. Yeah, it's obvious that they spent a lot of time practicing this match. Yeah. On Paige's part, at least. And then you're we right. Had... We could have cut this down to three minutes and this would, or three hours, and this would have been one of the matches that got cut. Yep. Then we had Kyle Riley versus Darby Allen. Um, speaking of a match that was very good, but didn't need to be on the pay per view, really. Yep. Um, I, I like Kyle Riley and I like Darby Allen, and I think they did a hard hitting fight. Um, I think if it's a, it's a really big win for O'Reilly beating Allen, clean in pay-per-view. Um, it doesn't say much for Allen to lose in this match because he did it for his mentor's honor. But I can totally go for O'Reilly getting this kind of a push. Um, he's a great technical wrestler. And I think that they really need to push him. I feel like he would fit better if you put him in a group of shoot fighters with Brian Danielson instead of making Brian Danielson a brawler or Daniel Bryan or Brian, whatever you want to call him. I think if you put those, those like pure wrestlers together, like Jonathan Gresham and Brian Danielson and Kyle O'Reilly, and maybe Bobby fish, I think you'd have a way cooler group, but I digress. Uh, I gave this match a B. I mean, I, 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 it was fine. It was there. A few little miscues, but yeah. That coffin drop was pretty botched. Yeah. And Allen, Darby Allen, you know, his foot clipped the bottom rope when he was diving out. Next, we had a match between Thunder Rosa defending the women's championship against Serena Deeb. And they pushed Serena Deeb. And she had been pushing this story. I really thought that this was the match that the became champion on. Um, this was a better match out of Thunder Rosa than we've seen as of late. But I think it's because of her opponent. Serena D brought the best out of her. I, I gave this match a B as well. Um, 
Deeb is a great wrestler and she makes anybody shine that's with her. And I think this was another example of a match where they overcame a, a build that didn't go the way even I wanted it to. I even said it was a bad build. You disagreed, but I said it was a bad build, but they had a hell of a payoff. I don't think it's a payoff. I think it's the first shot in the war. Well, it's a hell of a payoff right now for, for Thunder Rosa to continue her reign over Serena D. But that's the first, I, I think besides Britt Baker, it's the first real opponent she's had in a while. Serena yeah. Deeb. No, this was a great match. It was a, a nice slow build and they weren't, they built to their high spots. I mean, when, when I get excited when the, when a superplex is a high spot of a match and that's what they built to. And it was just great. I loved every part of this match. Yeah. Then we were onward to a recap for the anarchy in the arena. Which is sports entertainers versus wrestlers. Justin Roberts says, ladies and gentlemen, shit's about to hit the fan. Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Blackpool Combat Club. This is anything goes. And the Jericho Society came out in the gayest white looking outfits that I've seen in some time. Yeah, they look like a 90s boy band. Yeah, they looked like sink 77 degrees or something I, I i'm not sure but you know this was chaos it, you knew this was going to be chaos from the beginning of this match you knew this was going to be a brawl and you knew guys were going to go at it y- you knew eddie kingston was going to get busted up you knew that things were going to go down moxley's going to do some crazy shit and this is exactly what you would have expected this was chaos i have no idea even really what to say about a lot of it um and this is about all you're going to get out of this. This was crazy spot after another crazy spot. And there was nothing close to a way to keep track of the whole thing. Um, I'm not exactly sure why the society won, but maybe Jericho used some wizard magic to convince AEW it was a good idea. Um, I think that this was, in my opinion, I, I love crazy brawls. And this was a crazy brawl. I think some of the stuff that went on here was was nuts. And I just think it was a lot to try and absorb. I think they should have been more prepared with camera crews for this one because you missed a lot of stuff. Let me ask you a question, get your opinion. The I thought that the crowd was silent for the finish of the match. And I was trying to figure out why were they just not reacting. And I came to the conclusion that this match was so brutal and so shocking that when it finished, they were just. I think it was so chaotic that the, the crowd, the, the audience didn't know where to focus. So when the pin happened in the ring, a lot of people didn't realize it was over till the bell rang. And they're like, wait, what? That's, that's my opinion. I think there was just so much. You got five guys. Five groups of guys fighting all over the uh, stadium, and one group got penciled. So, so what? One one fifth of the audience was paying attention to that. I could be wrong, but I think that's maybe why it was. It seems so dead at the finish. 
And I don't yeah. think anybody expected the Jericho Appreciation Society to win this match. I, I, I didn't expect to. Well, even even when you know the bell rang and you know there was just, it just was flat, and I just couldn't figure out if it was people were shocked at the craziness of what they were watching, or if it was more of a um, they were just wore out and it was a flat dead finish. Yeah. And then we had the tag team titles in a in a triple threat, which is Jurassic Express versus Team Taz versus Keith Lee and Serge Strickland. And I'm going to tell you right now that this, in my opinion, was the match of the night. This, in my opinion, was the match of the night. Keith Lee works way better with a tag partner. Serge Strickland works way better with a tag partner. Uh, Jungle Express is amazing. And the the finish I didn't expect. I didn't expect Jungle Express to walk out of this with with the titles. So um, I like this match a lot. Um, I would not have been on the champs retaining here. What matters is that the tag division remains hot, but there's only so much you can you can when you get your champs uh, are barely in the top five teams in the company. I'm hoping for a title change soon because Jurassic Express has held the belts for a while. And uh, this isn't a horrible decision, but I'd like to see maybe FTR step back up and take the belts or Death Triangle. Somebody, somebody get the belts off of Jurassic Express. Yeah, this is a very good match, but you're right. They don't have anybody built up to take the titles. No. And I feel like it's getting closer and closer and closer to time for Jack Perry to start going on a solo run. I, I see it coming soon. He's a phenomenal talent. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But I thought this match was great. The tag, the tag team efforts in this match were great. I think that um, Keith Lee looked impressive here. Um, definitely looks like he needs to go on a diet, but I mean, he did look impressive. Yeah, no, it was everybody performed well. It, it, yeah. I think uh, I, I think it was probably better than the other trios or the trios match. Yes, yes. Like I said, this this was just a good match, and it had a surprise ending for me because I didn't expect Jurassic Express to walk out of here with the belt. So, um, yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad. Then we had, I believe, that was about on our main event of the evening here. Finally, we're at the main event of the evening. And I've, there's mixed reactions on this main event. Um, it was CM Punk taking on the champion, Adam Page. And Adam Page could not best CM Punk in this match. And we have a new AEW champion. And I liked how Punk couldn't get the buckshot lariat over on him. But Page could get the GTS on Punk. Um I think that shows the old man angle that a lot of people are going to be trying to work on punk in the future. I mean, I, I gave this match a B plus and I said, this is your controversial ending. That's going to get people talking punk winning. In my opinion, over page is the right call because you can only get so much out of pages champion where there's so many bigger stars around him. And to be honest with you right now, besides P- CM punk or Brian Danielson, who are you going to put that belt on? I, I, I said this to you earlier before the show, Chris, and I'll bring it up now. AEW is missing one thing. 
And it's the one thing that's always made WWE successful. And that is that rising star like The Rock or your John Cena or your Roman Reigns. They don't have that guy that that is past the mid-card status and needs to be elevated to the top. And it shows. You have CM Punk running around at 45 years old as your only logical champion besides Daniel Bryan. Or Brian Danielson. Yeah, they don't they don't have that number two man. For a bloated roster, they don't even have a two, three, four, or five. No. They need to create some though, pretty quick, or you're gonna have a real stale tick championship. Yeah, and they're falling back on the rankings, but that only does so much. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. nobody to put in their place, what's it do? Yeah. Yeah. So this match was, I, you know, it was a surprise to see Punk win. I really didn't think he would. I didn't think they'd take the title off Page yet. But honestly, you know, it, it was rough. To be I fair, Page should held the title for a full year. He should have held it for a while. Yeah. Page had but it for a full year. But he beat he Omega at double or nothing. Page. He lost. You're saying you know. Page had it for a full year? Yeah, he won it at double or nothing last year. Against no, Kenny Omega. Yeah, no, he did. He yeah, he did. No. Yeah. He, he's only had it for six months. No. He won it back in, I think, November. No. Well, you can look it up while I talk about the couple of things I didn't care for. You know, I, I don't know if it was just because he was tired, but the two botched buckshot lariats by Punk. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was part of the story. And then I'm going to pick on the ref here. The the near fall after the dead eye that Punk just barely kicked out of. Man, it, I, I felt like the referee slowed the count. You know that you gotta you gotta put the earnest on the on the on the wrestlers to be able to kick out. But I'm not as high on this match as a lot of people were. Uh, it was very good. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I mean, like I said, CM Punk's the logical choice, but I just, I don't know. I, 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 I like that they got the belt off of Adam Page because Adam Page fell flat as the champion. He started out real hot and then finished real cold. So, um, I think that. At the end of the day, it, it it's only makes sense for them to put the belt on somebody else and see if it doesn't bring up their ratings. And if you're going to do that with anybody, I mean, let's be honest, CM Punk is the guy uh, that that could bring up those rating those ratings. But at the same time, how long? You know, it's as obviously his final run. Well, see, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if CM Punk does because the ratings were at the highest point they've been in a long time uh, this past weekend or this past week with Dynamite, and they let off with the MJF Wardlow stuff. Okay, so you I were right. He got the belt back on November. Wardlow. He got the belt before Double or Nothing, and then lost it to Omega, and then won it back on November thirteenth at full at full gear. So you were right. He got it back on November in November, but since November, after his feud with with Brian Danielson, what has he done with the belt? 
Yeah, that's. I mean, we, we talked about this a couple of episodes yeah, I mean, ago. He hadn't done yeah. anything. No, and and at that point, you have to do something different. You've got to have a build for your main event. If it can't be Adam Page versus Murderhawk. Yeah, it was. I, I uh, love Lance Archer. Don't get me wrong, but Lance Archer's not your main event draw. Yeah, I think the whole. Then you have one off with Archer, a yeah. one off with. Redbeard, Eric Redbeard, maybe. Yeah, it, he hasn't had any formidable opponents in quite a while. I think he had a match with Adam Cole, and I think that was the last big match he had. And I believe that was the last pay per view they did. I could be wrong. It might have been that super show they did on a Saturday. The yeah, Clash of Champions one. The, yeah, Battle of. Somewhere along there, he had a he had a big match with Adam Cole. I I can't remember when he fought Cole, but he had a big match with Adam Cole, and I believe that that's the last big match that I can remember that he had. He may have had one in between there, but it ain't been much. Well, he had three matches with Cole. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the same thing with 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 uh, Brian Danielson. I mean, he he did the same thing. He had like two or three matches with him, and. I fear that that the first real opponent that you're going to see for yeah, our new champion CM Punk is going to be Brian Danielson, which is really going to suck because, if you want my opinion, the only person that can take the belt off of CM Punk is Brian Danielson. So having him go out and job to Punk first just makes it when he takes it back look kind of shitty, unless they do like a best of three rubber match thing. You know what I mean? I I don't know. It's it's yeah. just now you've put your now you've put your belt on your biggest star. My question to AEW is is what now? Who who takes it off a of punk? I'll yeah. wait because there is nobody. Yeah. There's Brian Danielson. He's it. Moxley's already had the belt. Well, Unless you're if, gonna give it to Sting. I would I would be down with that. Not if they push Brian Danielson over to uh, Tony Khan, if you're listening, give it to Sting. But yeah, I mean, when Adam Adam beat Kenny for the belt, he immediately went into a thing with Brian Danielson. They had two matches, and then it was a one-off with Lance Archer, yeah. and then it yep. was the three with Adam Cole, which culminated in the Texas Death Match, and then he had a one-off with Dante Martin and Kenoshke Takeshita. Takeshita. But I don't even think that was for the title. I think that was a non-title match too. But uh, you get where I'm going with this. Like he just, yeah. There's there's not enough mainstream guys to keep the main event going in AEW, and I think that they suffer for it very much. They've got lots of mid card talent, lots of it. You have to elevate some of that talent at some point, or it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Well. Like I said, you can line up opponent after opponent after opponent for CM Punk, but ain't none of them going to make sense to take the strap from him. So now you got to bring somebody in that's actually believable that can take him down. No, don't bring somebody in, please. Just build somebody from within. Develop somebody from within. It doesn't matter, but they have to bring somebody up. They have to. And CM Punk needs... It can be a slow push, too. It doesn't have to be overnight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like They can work into that. And CM Punk needs to just hold that title for a while while they while they build some people. 
like what we were hoping we were going to get with Adam Page, but then everybody bailed on Page. Yep. Yeah, and that's you know that's kind of where I'm getting at. I just I just would really love to see AEW have a main event status roster, but they they don't. No, they don't. They don't. Any other things on Double or Nothing? Or are we putting in a bow on yeah, that? Let's put a bow on Double or Nothing. Uh, was Double or Nothing? I want to take just a second and give a shout out to our newest sponsor, Lawn Doctor of Grand Rapids. If you live in the West Michigan area and are looking for a premier lawn care service, look no further than Lawn Doctor of Grand Rapids at 616-281-7109 or on Facebook at facebook.com slash lawndoctorgr. Whether it's a basic lawn care program to keep the weeds out of your yard or something a little bit more advanced like a aeration or power seeding to bring in those bare spots with nice thick lawn. Give Lawn Doctor of Grand Rapids a call at 616-281-7109. And it's just not lawns that they service. If you have a mosquito problem, they have a yard armor program to keep the mosquitoes at bay. So when you are out enjoying that fire, the mosquitoes stay away. Do you have a problem with pests getting into your home? They have a perimeter pest program to ensure that those critters stay outside while you are inside. That's Lawn Doctor of Grand Rapids at 616-281-7109 or on Facebook.com slash Lawn Doctor GR. With Lawn Doctor of Grand Rapids, you take care of the mowing and they will take care of the rest. So before we go into Raw, I was going to bring up an idea to you. Um, so you know all these promo picks that I do for all of the people we interview? Mm-hmm. I'd like to eventually, once we have a big enough audience, create a set of Wrestling Bites trading cards with all the people that we interviewed. Now here's the catch. I'm going to make a, a rolling dice game on the back based with stats. So every card you get, you can play with. Yeah, no, I remember that. I think it'd be fun. It'd, it'd be fun. It'd be something for the, the the younger kids to do and get into. Like they could get new cards every time they come to one of our shows. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that would be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be a fun idea. So look forward to those in the future at some point, guys. I don't know when. Some year. But... Someday, I, need, I, need, I need to I need to get my own I need to get my own t-shirts finally off the press and in the in the merchandise stands as well as maybe some some photographs and other things that you know are needed in merchandise stands but I'm getting there Rome wasn't built in the day coming back here um when I did my walk cross country I donated the box of t-shirts I was using for merchandise sales to somewhere so there's a bunch of people walking around from a goodwill store in portland oregon with a bunch of pun the psych shirts probably has no 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 friggin clue who i am whatsoever but they wear it to bed every night thank you thank you very much <laughs> but anyways um yeah that was my idea so we'll go on to uh monday night raw now and uh that's our last review of the sh- of the show here yeah let's we do actually- it made it through a review that rhymed i'm dr seuss your poet and didn't know it 
I didn't write it. I sew it. Oh, that was bad. Anyways, so this is the go home. And I don't know. This starts out with Becky Lynch. Um, she hasn't been out to start the show off in a minute, though. Um, you know, she she knows that people here are glad that she's lost everything. Lynch doesn't care what the people think because she collects enemies. We flash back to Money in the Bank 2020 with Asuka winning the briefcase. Then Lynch handed her the Raw Women's title because she had to go become a mama. That made uh, that made Asuka a selfish monster. And here is Asuka to interrupt. She mocks Becky for being a baby and, pro- and promises to win the title on Sunday. Cue Bianca Belair wasn't happy with Asuka kicking her last week and isn't too fond of Becky either. She is sure the title isn't going anywhere, though, and the fight is on with Asuka hip-attacking Becky to the floor when she was on the outside of the apron, leaving the other two in the ring, which starts for a non-title match, Asuka versus Belair. Yeah, three things here real quick. First off, Becky Lynch looked just like Max Headroom. Secondly, why is it when Becky Lynch talks, she has to go, every time? I thought you loved when Becky Lynch talks. I can't. I don't, I don't stand care it. The, I can't stand it. I want to choke her. And it, and I, I don't know. I don't know I why it. it's there sometimes and not all the time. But it's like every third time she takes a breath, we hear. It's annoying. And last but not least, who decides when the wrestlers are brawling to send out the refs? Because they're out there brawling. Yeah, I'm not sure. And no refs come out. But then other times people brawl and the refs come out. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have an example of that later on. I'll so bring up them. But yep, you're yeah. right. And then now in typical WWE fashion, Bianca Belair is taking on Ashka. We really don't have a good reason for this match other than the fact that they're gonna be wrestling each other in six days. And Asuka tried to roll her up at the end and it was stacked up to give Belair the pin. At 13 minutes in, even though it was an untitled match, this just could have been her title shot right here. I, I don't, I don't get it, because um, that's probably what you're going to see at the pay per view, anyways. Uh, you know, this match in the last segment let me figure out what I don't care for with Belair. Her matches are usually good. This one was, and she can do things no one else can do. But none of her matches feel natural. Every time she does something, it feels like, okay, time to do this or. This is where I do thing number three between the kiss it deal or the moonsaw off the ropes or the dance or whatever. I feel like she is walking step by step through a script that was planned in advance and it feels robotic and very rarely does she shake that off. And it was obvious as hell in this match. And and I remember I've always said, I'm going to figure out what it is that something's off with her. That's what it is. She relies too much on the, the 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 scripting of the match, and she doesn't just naturally work. Yeah. Yep, I can see that. Post-match, Becky Lynch came out and laid them both out. Yep. The best part is Bianca Belair and Asuka had a match, and at the end, Becky Lynch's music played. Asuka. 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 
You make it oh, sound like she's a Tonka truck or something. I mean, I I'd plow her like We're a truck. We're going to have to get into a debate one of these days about this Ashka character because I've I'd got plow her like several... a truck. Oh, my God. You didn't just say that. Oh, I did. Call me Mr. Plow. Anyways. You want to get on the snow plow? Not with Masha Slamovich. <laughs> that is my help. If I was to die and go to hell tomorrow, I would have to spend the rest of eternity with Masha Slamovich. I'm sure she's nice. She's a nice person, I bet. All right, let's if move her on. personality matches her wrestling, I'm screwed. <laughs> so next we saw the Mysterios with Ezekiel taking on Kevin Owens and Alpha Academy. Um, back onto the Ezekiel storyline. Uh, again, it's a C plus. Pretty nice action here. Shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> Owens losing it more and more over Ezekiel is some nice stuff, even if it makes me want to watch Bobby Heenan trying to find out who Giant Machine really is. Does anybody get that reference? No, I have no idea who that could possibly be. Do you remember Giant Machine and Bobby Heenan trying to figure out who the hell it was? It was a joke. It really? It was, was a joke. Yes, okay. I'm still not caring about the Mysterios all that much, but at least it's better than watching them deal with Veer Mahan. Uh, post-match, Owens is ticked and Rexy announcer's table as the Academy isn't pleased because the 619 hit Gable. Ezekiel spinning suplex finishes Gable at 832. Then there was a recap of Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Then here's Cody for a chat. Cody talks about having the potential to do great things and how his father knew how to see the potential in others. His father told him about the potential in Seth Rollins and that one day Cody was facing Rollins at WrestleMania. That made Cody nervous because he couldn't come back with a loss. Cody didn't lose there, and he didn't lose at WrestleMania Backlash. Now they're going to the cell, and Cody is going to be able to lose all of his self-control because Rollins will be locked inside with a man who wants to hurt him. Hugh Rollins interrupt, though, through the crowd to say that he just doesn't like Cody. All Rollins hears in his sleep is Cody, 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 and he can't stand it any longer. Six years ago, Cody left WWE and found some friends who wanted to tear down everything Rollins built. Now Cody is back, but he doesn't get to tear down Rollins' kingdom. You don't take a sledgehammer to Rollins' throne and try to take it from him. On Sunday, Rollins is going to end him, and we can wake up from this American nightmare. Cody asks what is stopping him from coming after Seth right now. Rollins seems to have a reality set in on him, and Cody takes the jacket off. Rollins comes to the barricade, turns away only to have Cody come charging. They fight back to ringside with Cody driving him through the barricade. Referees break it up, but they kept fighting. The referees came and broke it up, Chris, this time. Mm -hmm. Then the referees break it up again, but they keep fighting. They finally split it apart and keep it apart as the fans approve, as they should this is the kind of person to brawl that they needed. And then as they get Cody to the back, he comes running back out again and attacks him again. And they separate him again. And I believe that was the end of the segment. Um, they're obviously building this to be the main draw for Helena. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this segment was great from top to bottom. Yeah, I, I think Seth does his money, long, but no, it, it was perfect. 
No, I like when he came running back. You like you could the way they shot it on the camera angle. They kept it close to the ring towards the the, the aisleway, so yeah. you could see him come from the curtain back, and you, you could hear the the roar of the crowd like a wave as he came up. It was actually a really nice effect for once. WWE got production right on that particular moment. Oh yeah, just like just prior to that when Seth attacked Cody, ran through the ring, you could see him coming, and Cody turned around at the right, right minute, which was perfect. and then. Next, we had another example hey, of an NXT. did you say Giant Machine or Super Machine? I said Giant Machine, but I might have meant Super Machine. Yeah, I was going to say. Threw me off. Either, either way, you caught the reference. Bobby Heenan, you, you, know the, you know the story. Yeah. You know the story. That was the reference. Um, then we have another NXT person getting buried as Dewdrop takes on Alexa Bliss. Nikki Ash is here with Dewdrop. Bliss gets powered into the corner and is taken down for an early two. Back up, Bliss... Head scissors her into the corner, setting up some basement drop kicks. Dewdrop runs her over again, but misses a Vader bomb, allowing Bliss to go up and take out ASH and hit Twisted Bliss for the pin at 317. Um, I know what happened during this match. I have yet to be able to confirm this, but I can tell you exactly what happened. I gave this it a match. This match was cut short by about four, four or five minutes. It was supposed to go a little bit longer. But um, Alexa Bliss got busted open um, the hard way on her nose. It was pretty bad. And uh, the, unfortunately, the referee didn't see it right away. It took him about two minutes to notice it. And then as soon as he noticed it, he got the cue to, to go home. They had to go home. So that's why it looked like Dewdrop dominated the entire match, just to have Alexa Bliss hit two moves and get the victory. Yeah, I I gave it a D plus at best. I said, I can't get over how ridiculous the Nikki visuals are as you have bliss and her standard gear, which is back to what she used to wear. Dewdrop is the monster and Nikki Ash in the superhero gear. Still, it just, it doesn't fit. One of these things ain't like the other. One of these things just don't belong. It's Nikki TRASH. What? Take a dump? No, I'm going to look up to see if Alexa oh. broke her nose. Uh, but no, okay. I mean, I'm interested to see what they're doing with with I, Nikki. Yeah, I don't know, man. I do drop, but I, I don't. Yeah, it's a weird look. This is the big versus little match that only kind of works most of the time, and I don't quite buy Bliss pinning Dewdrop after a splash. But it's not like Dewdrop's meant anything in months or ever. So, I mean, there's that. Um, then last week, Bobby MVP beat Bobby Lashley and made Lashley versus Omos a match on Sunday into a handicap match. And now it's time for Ms. TV because it feels like we have one of these every week now. Ms. plugs the season premiere of Ms. TV next week. But here are the Street Profits to interrupt. They talk about Hell in the Cell on Hyundai, Sun, Hyundai on Sunday to hype up the card, but realize they need to ask Ms. about the show. Miz is ready to answer, but it doesn't matter what he thinks. Miz puts his hand up, and they mock him, asking what that means. Then the 24-7 goons come running in, and the Prophets get involved in well as well because it turns into a multi-person brawl until Tamina hits a Samoan drop on Dana Brooke to win the title. Tamina picks Akira Tozawa up and kisses him, only to get taken down in a backslide to give Tozawa the pin and the title. So what in the world was the original point of this segment again? Not sure. You know what? This was great from start to finish. This was 
this was great TV. This is good entertainment. If you're not going to have wrestling, this is what I want to see. And then I'm not a big fan of the 24-7 I, title, but it fit perfect. I would rather just see wrestling. Oh, I'd rather see wrestling too, but if I'm not going to get wrestling, this is what I want to see. I don't want to see this at all. I don't want to oh, see come this on. at this all. Was, this was funny. This was good. This was no. funny. Then we've seen Mustafa Ali Mustafa. Uh, his issues since he came back to WWE as he tries to win the U.S. title. Mustafa Ali takes on Champa. Theory is on commentary, and if Ali wins, he gets a U.S. title shot. Ali sends him into the corner to start, but Champa is right back with a knee of the face or two. Champa elbows him down, grabs a chin lock before stomping on Ali's head. The second chin lock doesn't last as long, but Ali is back up with a kick to the face to send Champa outside. Suicide dive with Ali almost going headfirst into the announcer's table. Barely misses. Ali goes up, but Theory pulls him off the ropes for the DQ at three minutes and 24 seconds. Well, at least I can say I'll give this a C- because Tommaso Ciampa didn't get buried again for once. I know it's false hope, but my goodness, I was hoping he could do something on the show. Instead, he might as well have been in the corner to my left because he's a little more than the background guy while the real stars are out there. Nothing match, but at least Ali and Theory are getting to do something. I like Tyson. I like Tommaso Ciampa, and I think it's horrible the way they're pushing him. Because yeah. immediately after this, what did we have? Oh, a U.S. title match with Theory versus Mustafa Ali. So what did you even have to have Tommaso Ciampa out there for? Well, I mean, the, that was that was the storyline. Theory told Mustafa that if he could beat Ciampa, then he would get a title shot. Uh, in the near future. Yeah, except this was a minute and 43 second match. Well, yeah. Theory's depending. Ali pulls himself up only to get thrown back down, whip into the corner, Roxy Ali again, but he manages a super kick. Ali goes up, but gets crotched, setting up the A town down to retain the title at 143. But Adam Pierce came out and said, let's run it back on Sunday. So they're obviously setting up for something, but. Well, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's what happened. I mean, that was the story because, you know, theory was like, "Oh, your title shot is now," and then jumped Ali and beat him up during the commercial break. So Ali was already tired from Russian Champa, and then he literally got his by theory before the match even began. That's why the match was so short. Yep. Then Riddle and Shinsuke dubbed themselves the Bronin and Ronin and promised to take. The- Tag team titles, which next is the Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Riddle. Okay, non-title, right but here. a champion contenders match, though. Ugh. These is th- we've we've covered the first two hours of Raw, and it was a very good show. So, I mean, production-wise, we didn't get any of these long, drawn-out entrances. We didn't get super long recaps. It was a good two-hour show. I'm going to also how point it out always be. I'm going to also point out, up to this point, none of the matches had the same ending. Yeah. Until now. Yep. Yep. And then we get to hour three, and it's all downhill. Oh, this match was a non-title champions contendership match. Um, so my comments on this match were... Um, 
the fact that Jimmy hit Riddle with the scooter for the DQ at 1135. I wrote C plus 30 minutes or so. Is that how long it was since they did the exact same ending? You have a match for the title shot that someone gets disqualified to earn said title shot. And then they do it twice in three matches. That's another level of lame booking. And I can't even be shocked that they did it. The match itself was good as you probably expected, but the ending was so dumb that it took away any interest I had in what they were doing at all. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And then to build into momentum for further on post-match, obviously Nakamura breaks up the double super fly splash and Riddle gets hit. Riddle hits the super RKO on Jimmy. Um, it was just a setup, and then and then Mustafa Ali's ready for his title match on Sunday. He keeps getting knocked down, but he is going to keep getting back up and win the U.S. title in his hometown. Then Theory jumps him again and takes a selfie with the title over Ali. Normally, this would set up a big title win for Ali, but I'd hope you guys aren't all that gullible. Then they ran down Hell in a Cell, including Judgment Day versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Then they did the video of Memorial Day on Memorial Day. Yeah, here, real quick. Let me go through this. Because Liv Morgan comes out at 10.15. They take a commercial yep. break. They come back and recap what happened with Ali and Theory. And then Theory gives his – or uh, Ali gives his interview in the back and gets attacked by Theory. And then we recap Hell in the Cell. And then, oh, here comes Rhea Ripley. They take a commercial break. We come back and we're doing our Memorial Day uh, – um, tribute and then we go to the crowd who's chanting usa 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 and we have this really weird awkward transition to the wrestlers in the ring who start the match 19 minutes from when Liv morgan came out to when the match started this is ridiculous ridiculous <laughs> this was a horror i didn't like this match um I think that the match itself, the wrestling was okay, but this finish was dumb. Dumb. You're building Edge and a faction, and you just put Rhea Ripley on this squad. She's supposed to be on this huge momentum run because she just got put into this group. And instead of, I don't know, maybe giving Rhea Ripley a non-clean win, which would make sense here. Um, they did the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> Here's another weird thing. Uh, the, they couldn't afford for this match to go short because of what happened earlier. Yeah. But Liv Morgan cut her leg mm -hmm. and they were just kind of off after she got that cut. So I don't know how bad it was just affecting her. And I think she wanted to stop it, but they didn't they really didn't allow her to. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have Ripley who was finally getting pushed as a monster that she should be. And she loses to a perennial loser, Liv Morgan, to set up a six-person tag on Sunday. Morgan even overcomes the interference to win to make it even worse. 
I'm sure Ripley will be fine, but my goodness, stop giving people losses like this and then acting like they mean nothing. That is the problem I have with WWE booking. They give guys losses like this and act like it doesn't do anything to them. Well, this is this is match two in their rivalry. Rhea took the first one, Liv took the second ah. one. Now we're going to have a rubber match. Blah. Blah. Why does every time somebody leave a tag team, there have to be 37 freaking matches between them? Why? Well, first off, there hasn't been 37. This is the second one. In yeah, but they're going to keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny that WWE is. But I mean, why can't more people just throw their Marty Jannettis through a window or a mirror like Shawn Michaels did? It's so much easier. <laughs> it's one of the greatest They're moments in wrestling. It. They're building to it. I think they're telling a good story. I consider uh, this the main event, but unfortunately, the show continued. I considered this where the show was over. If you want to talk about this contract signing, feel free. I just didn't care. <laughs> I don't want to talk this, about it. This did nothing for me, okay? This was like this was like the AEW pay-per-view during I can't remember whose match it was, but the crowd was like, Oh, this is real boring. Oh, this match is boring. Yeah, they did that. That's how I felt. This segment was dumb. I mean, it's a contract sign. This is how we ended the it's show. Al- it's always the same thing. and But it's between Omos and MVP taking on Bobby Lashley in a handicap match at Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Cedric Alexander comes out. The best part That's was... That's going to be like number two on the match docket for the night. <laughs> I, they'll probably push it to, to just prior to the main event. But the best part was... Uh, MVP counting down Omos on how much time they have left in the show because they were really close and they needed to get that spear finish with Bobby Lashley. So MVP's pushing them through. He's like, you gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <coughs> but we didn't need this at the end of the show. No, it, it, not at all. This was not a good segment. Yeah. It builds for their their spot at Hell in the Cell, but I don't know what the draw is for Omas in MVP taking on Bobby Lashley. I don't know how many people are solely watching the show this weekend for that match. Cody and Seth, I could see, but Omas and MVP, no. Uh, I'm going to say that overall on Raw, this is a great example of a show where the wrestling itself worked. But everything else involved this week drug it down. Having two matches end in DQ to set up title matches with a title match squeezed in between is hardly thought out planning. And they keep they kept the dumb rolling by having Morgan beat Ripley. If you want to do something with Morgan, send out anyone other than Ripley for her to beat. Like Sonya Deville and Carmella busy tonight? With that being said, there were good parts of the show, including Cody and Seth's brawl and a few uh, and a fair few of the matches. The problem, as usual, was most of the last hour. As it clear that they are front loading the show 
and ending it with lamer stuff to fill the time that they have left. That makes for a long time to wrap things up. And in this case, again, here, while there was good wrestling, it was surrounded by stuff that was either annoying or just bad. And that makes for a frustrating Monday Night Raw. And it's the same bullshit product we've seen for the last six months. Well, I, uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree on the Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley thing. It doesn't make sense for Liv to take on Carmelo or Sonya Deville. And, but it doesn't you know, make this, sense this, for this Liv Morgan to beat, to beat somebody who's being billed as a monster right now? Rhea Ripley? Yeah. Yes, it makes sense. I explained why it made sense. She's a monster. Then there's no way that, that, that Liv Morgan should have won that clean. She didn't win clean. Well, there was the outside. Were, you know, they they were trying to run the same spot that they ran the other day with Edge, but this time it was Damian Priest and it backfired. So it shows that they're not quite oh, as good as Edge. But, but and WWE that, doesn't and that, use the same spots over and over again. Oh, yeah, well, they do. Well, that's no, right. That's the story. <laughs> they're showing that Damian, Damian tried to do what Edge did and it didn't succeed. So it shows that Damian is still lesser than Edge and he's trying to learn from Edge. But I don't understand what the significance is of putting Liv Morgan over Rhea Ripley going into a six-person six mixed tag match. At The same reason it makes sense for... Bianca Belair to wrestle Asuka. I mean, there's On no title contenders match. No, none of like that's what I'm saying. The wrestling and the matches they make are great, but everything else that's involved with it, the way they're booking all that, it's just stupid, in my opinion. It's bad booking. And this particular Raw, the three hours again, the first two hours were great, the third hour was terrible. But it's usually the other way around where the first two hours are terrible and then they get five matches in the, in the span of the last 70 minutes. So this one was a, was backwards from what we normally get. Uh, I don't know. It's I think it's just the same watered-down WWE's crap that we've been seeing lately. And it's it all results in that the wrestling's not horrible, but... Everything else drags it down. It makes it frustrating to be uh, a WWE fan sometimes because they do the same thing at SmackDown. They, the, like all this crap else they do, it just takes away from the one important thing. It's like they forgot that this is a wrestling show, but it's WWE for you. What do you expect? I mean, it's just how they've been for a long time. Yeah. I've gotten used to it over 15 years. It's just, it's, this is what it's evolved into. So, you know, um, we can agree to disagree on the fact, but I just, I find it stupid to, to, to try to book somebody as a monster and then make them lose like that. But again, agree to disagree. Who was the last person Rhea Ripley beat? Liv Morgan. Pretty sure. Unless she wrestled last week, I'd, I'd have to look. I don't feel like doing that much research right now. Yeah. We'll just agree to disagree. So, but that was Monday Night Raw. And that wraps up our national reviews for tonight. Amazing enough. We will have a whole nother 
run of national reviews coming your way and uh, sometime within a week. And uh, in between there, we'll always have our indie show that comes up. Uh, you know, we do the, the, the local indie reviews and, and everything on one show and the nationals now on this. Um, I feel like this gives the content to the listeners in an easier way. And um, if you guys like the changes, let me know. I appreciate the feedback. Or if you'd like us to go back to the old format, let me know. I'm willing to make them both work. I'm just trying to do what works best for my listeners. So I think that's the important thing to give them what they want. And based on the algorithms, I think that's what they want. So, yeah, no, I agree. But as always, Chris, I, I always have a fun time talking wrestling, whether we agree, disagree, or agree to disagree either way. It's, it's a fun time. Yes, absolutely. It is good to just shoot the crap and talk wrestling and ideas and show you how. And as far as this weekend goes, there's no booking. Ladies and gentlemen, here are the weekend events upcoming for this weekend in the state of Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up on Thursday, June 9th, 7 p.m. in Monroe, Michigan, Insane Wrestling Revolution takes place. IWR presents Clash of the Titans. For more information, go to www.facebook.com backslash IWR world. Then on Saturday, June 11th, we have Blue Water Championship Wrestling at 7.30 in Marysville, Michigan. The BCW Micro Championship Wrestling returns to Marysville. Get your tickets for all the high-flying, bone-crunching midget action today. Blue Water Micro Championship Wrestling returns after a two-and-a-half-year hiatus from COVID and is ready to return to the Blue Water area. Come see your favorite midget wrestling stars. Event is 18 plus and up. Parental discretion is advised. You can find them at www.facebook.com backslash BWCW stars with a Z. Also, June 11th, 7 p.m. in Jackson, Michigan, American Wrestling Experience. AWE returns for the super mega fun wrestling extravaganza, and it's happening Saturday, June 11th, 2022, in Jackson, Michigan, at the PNA Hall. Polish National Alliance, 638 Page Avenue, doors at 630, show starts at 7. They debut of the American Wrestling Wheel. Watch for more match announcements coming soon, sponsored by Crescent Comics and Games and Wrestling Junkies Facebook group. Tickets available, contact information, American Wrestling Experience, or email Wrestling 2017 at gmail.com. For tickets and event info, they have PayPal Cash App options for pre-sale tickets. This is a family-friendly event. $15 pre-sale tickets, $10 kids and under, $20 day of show. Catch up on all the AWE TV on YouTube. Like and subscribe for the latest content. You can follow them on Twitter at AWE Wrestling. Also, on June 11th in Marshall, Michigan at 6 p.m., Lethal Lucha. Lethal Lucha presents Slamapalooza at the Dark Horse Brewery. Supreme Jamal King versus The Monster. Congo Kong. The Fro Gun takes on Chase Burnett. Blake Bale versus Lewis Linden. Kip Rude will be taking on Super Oprah plus live music. You can find them over at Lethal Lucha or just check out Lethal Lucha Presents 
Slam a pal. Also, June 11th, 8 p.m. in Wyandotte, Michigan. Metro Pro Wrestling returns to Wyandotte. Big time wrestling for the entire family in the downtown Council of the Arts and beautiful Wyandotte, Michigan. The main event will be Jason Hotch versus former WWE Impact and current NWA wrestler, the Pope, Elijah Burke. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the events for this weekend in Michigan. If you are in the area, I would suggest checking out all of these events because they will be live and full of amazing independent wrestling action here in Michigan this weekend. Get there. Well, Chris, uh, like that being said, I'm going to, we're going to try and make some FaceTime at uh GLWA this weekend. Um, other than that, there's no bookings as far as I know. So, um, yeah, that, that's all I've got for the night. So yeah, hopefully we can make it down to GLWA check them out should yeah. be fun yeah it'd be, a, it'd be a new a new venture to be at a new company we haven't we haven't shown our faces at so um, yeah we'll see if we Absolutely. can make that happen Absolutely. so but until next time i would appreciate it if you would keep it between the ropes and as always i'd like to thank everybody who listens into the podcast who spends their time at work at home in the car wherever you listen to us we appreciate you and Again, thank you to our sponsors, The Lawn Doctor and Padded Pocket for everything you guys do for us, for all of the uh, advertising that you give us and everybody else, word of mouth. We thank you all. Um, at, other than that, you know, on behalf of Wrestling Bites Podcast, I'm from the site saying, you all ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up the shop for the night, and you guys have a wonderful night.